In our final podcast in this set, we're again joined by Karen Fulton from African law firm Bowman's, and we're covering other key relevant employment law topics. Hi again, Karen. Um, could we start by asking you to explain the different employee representative bodies in South Africa and the roles they play? So workers' councils, trade unions, and so on. So the, the, the two, we don't really have works councils, as I mentioned in our previous podcast, um, although the, the, the Labor Relations Act does make provision for what is referred to as a workplace forum, the equivalent of a works council. Uh, I've never seen one in my 30 years of practicing. And there are two, two sort of unique uh, things, uh, bodies in, 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 in the South African context. The one would be trade unions. Um, and as I mentioned in the previous podcast, uh, pre-democratic South Africa, one of the areas in which people of color could exercise power was in the workplace, which, which led to an extremely, an extremely strong trade union movement. Um, pre-1994 when the democratic government came in. Uh, it's changed, but now the unions, that we still have a very highly unionized workforce, but the unions are not as strong as they were. Um, so that's the one aspect. The, the other aspect is that we have a thing called uh, bargaining council agreements. So in, in certain industries, you have bargaining councils, which really means that the main employers in the industry and the main trade unions in the industry have got together and they've agreed how they're going to regulate their industry. Um, and then they, they would conclude a bargaining council agreement. And that, that agreement usually deals with things like terms and conditions of minimum terms and conditions of employment, um, sometimes uh, dismissal provisions. Um, and it, it usually only applies to the parties to the agreement, but sometimes on application to the Minister of Labor, it can be extended to non-parties. So I think that's, that's an unusual aspect, uh, I think, compared to employment law in 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 the rest of the world. Yeah, I think I think that's right. We certainly don't have um, certainly those kind of sector level bargaining agreements are not are not particularly common in the UK. No, and really interesting that it can be extended sort of by by the Secretary of State themselves rather than um, rather than sort of with agreements between parties. Really interesting. Yeah. Then moving on to, to the pandemic, we can't get away from it at the moment. Um, the, the pandemic's obviously seen a huge increase in remote working, um, at least in the UK and in most other countries. And um, this has really accelerated a trend which was, was, was starting to move before the pandemic. So many employers are looking at reducing their office space and um, maybe some of them were certainly have been considering getting rid of office space altogether. Is this a trend that you are seeing in South Africa and um, can, does that work in practice or is there a requirement for employers to have office space for staff to go into? Um, I mean, interestingly, we took up uh, the South Africa, the Johannesburg office uh, of Bowman's took up, I think it was nine floors 
um, and we in our building and we we gave two away um, in the in the pandemic. So even Bowman's is moving towards a different model of working. Um, our offices have been reconfigured, and there's many more hotspots now or I'm not sure what um, you know desks that you can go and sit at you just have to book book the desk although partners still have their their own offices um, so there's very much a trend towards uh, I, I think the same as the rest of the world a hybrid model uh, where um, employees can work from home but are also in the office. What I find quite amusing is pre-pandemic, we were under significant pressure from millennials to let them work remotely. And you know, if they wanted to be in the Isle of Man or uh, I don't know, <laughs> on a beach in Barbados, that um, that they that they could do that and and still work. Um, whereas Post-pandemic, all the millennials want to come back to the office and all the baby boomers want to work remotely. <laughs> so it's, that, it's, it's definitely turned around. Yeah, I, I'm tempted to say we'll probably see something fairly similar. I think there is there's definitely large swathes of, I suppose, um, I suppose the younger population that you know is really see the benefit of being in the office and kind of interacting with other people um and certainly the hybrid model is, is something that we see a lot and with our clients and yeah certainly ourselves it, it it works well it's um this might be i suppose one of the the upsides of the pandemic that we have this more flexibility in the way that we work one of the things we looked at actually we had a a, a, a webinar on it yesterday is that the tax consequences there's a lot of tax implications and consequences in relation to um, changes, for example, uh, with reps, uh, sales representatives and remote working. Um, so that's something that employers in South Africa need to just be aware of, that tax will change if you've got employees that are not um, roaming around the country anymore or, um, you know, no longer coming to the office. Yeah, and we, we have um, similar issues in the UK with people then asking whether they can expense their travel to the office or, or, or so on. And there are very rigid rules about when you can actually do that and, and normally you, you can't. So, um, yeah. yeah, very similar. And the, the other big tax thing, that we've seen across Europe is people that want to go and work in a different European jurisdiction and every country has its own rule yeah. and you know not only employment law but particularly tax rules to think about and uh, have you seen that um in, in Africa? Yes, same. Yeah. It's the same yeah. Are there any other issues that you'd like to flag to businesses employing people in South Africa Karen is there anything you think we haven't? Um, I yeah. think the only other thing is and probably it's the same as the rest of the world, is this question around whether you can have mandatory vaccination policies. Um, it's extremely complex uh, in South Africa because there's constitutional rights around bodily integrity, for example, freedom of religion, 
but the the bottom line answer is you can have a mandatory policy but you need to make proper accommodation for genuine cases um, there might also be health issues as to why a person is not having a vaccination um, how you go about implementing the policy what can be in the policy what you do with outliers that's all something to be very sensitively and dealt with and carefully thought through um, and we anticipate that ultimately the constitutional court will make a make a, a hand on a decision on this make a call on it um, I can't see though that when it push comes to shove that an employer is not entitled to protect its employees in the same way that it you know um, you know many years ago people used to smoke in offices and employers had smoking policies to to make sure that it protected its employees from the harm from smoking and I I don't see that Mand you know, having a mandatory vaccination policy is any different to that type of type of issue. Yeah, that makes sense. It's, it, the whole you're absolutely right. The, the vaccine um, mandate issue has been it's been a big one across across all the jurisdictions, and we've certainly worked with a few clients to try and work out what they can do policy wide, globally. And it and it what definitely becomes apparent is that having the same policy in every jurisdiction is is almost impossible um yeah. but it's 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 an interesting one it'll be interesting to see how it kind of starts to kind of um change possibly as you know in societies open up like in the uk here we are much more a lot of things are very everything's fairly open at the moment and so the the need i want to say for vaccination mandates in offices is almost not as as great anymore um mm. but you know obviously every country's at different stages of its progress in all of this aren't they I mean, I was really, really excited in South Africa. The numbers have dropped significantly. We threw our fourth wave. And there's a lot of, you know, both in the local press and the, the global press, there's a lot of talk about COVID becoming endemic as opposed to being a pandemic. Then I read in the newspaper today that Hong Kong is having a huge surge and there's a, a, a big shortage of hospital beds and people are dying. <laughs> and I get, oh, oh you know, I, it, it makes me pessimistic again. But um, hopefully most of the world is coming through the other end. Yeah, hopefully it's not a new, new variant that we have to deal with. <laughs> hopefully. Perfect. Well, I think that wraps up our series, um, Karen. So thank you so much. It's been it's been incredibly interesting and we really appreciate you taking the time to speak to us. And um, if anyone has any if anyone has any queries on the topics we've discussed, um, please do get in touch with us or with Karen. Um, and please do look out for our next set of podcasts in this series. Thank you, Karen. Thanks. Thanks so much.